The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is our Thursday edition of the Leach Report. Lots to chat about today, and we'll do that with Mike Pratt, my broadcast partner on the UK Network, who will uh, break down the win over Vandy, look ahead to the matchup with the Gators on Saturday in Florida, Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated, and Darren Hedrick, voice of the UK women's basketball team, who have a, another matchup with a ranked opponent. It's a stretch of four in a row, and they just the rankings just keep getting higher. They've got Texas A&M tonight in College Station and number 5 South Carolina coming here on Sunday. So let's get right into the Wildcat news of the day. And I, I think it's noteworthy. We need to note it was a, certainly an eventful day for the country, at times frightening, unsettling, um, and just important to acknowledge that like the, most of the rest of you. It was uh, watching a lot of the coverage or listening yesterday. But we will do what we normally do, and that is roll into the Wildcat news of the day here. And we will start with the U.K. women playing tonight at number 8, Texas A&M. A team Kentucky handled pretty easily last year in Lexington, but A&M had won the previous four in the series. Kentucky looking for its third straight win over a ranked opponent. 8.30 Eastern time tip. Darren Hendrick will have the call on the U.K. radio network, and we will uh, be able to watch on the SEC network. And Sunday's game against South Carolina is getting moved to the mothership, as they call it, the main ESPN channel, and that will be, uh, instead of a 1 o'clock tip on ESPN2 at Memorial Coliseum, it'll be 5 p.m. Eastern on ESPN on Sunday for Kentucky and number 5 South Carolina. Ben Roberts from the Lexington Herald-Leader. Uh, tweeting that Kentucky was among the first schools to reach out to Oscar Shibway, the young man who is transferring from West Virginia. Kentucky recruited him hard out of high school, and at one point, I think Shibway said that Kentucky was his second choice. Reportedly, he is doing Zoom interviews today with prospective schools. Hopes to cut it to three to five by the end of the week. One story I saw suggested that he wanted to be able to get enrolled and go through the spring semester and then be able to practice with his new team and then play starting next season. Uh, Brandon Boston, struggling right now for the Kentucky basketball team. John Calipari talked a good bit in the postgame about uh, Brandon on Tuesday night. Uh, Boston put out a tweet yesterday saying, quote, I don't need no sympathy. I'm a man who steps up to every challenge and faces it. So um, we'll uh, certainly... As I said yesterday, I'm rooting for things to get going for uh, B.J. Boston. Um, and Cal said on Tuesday, I guess at the, at the shoot-around I was watching, stopped it at one point and said, just praised him for the work that he was putting in. He said, it's going to pay off. You're going to have your night. And Cal was thinking it was going to be Tuesday night. Didn't happen. Uh, although, as I said, he he, uh, he made a couple of uh, key plays in the game. Didn't have any turnovers. So, um you look for signs of progress when a player or a team is struggling. 
last night around the SEC, number nine Tennessee handled Arkansas 79-74. LSU went to overtime to get past Georgia 94-92. South Carolina easily over Texas A&M 78-54. And Ole Miss beat Auburn 72-61. Quarterback Nick Scalzo entering the NCAA transfer portal. Not a surprise. You've got uh, two guys clearly ahead of him in Gatewood and uh, Bo Allen that are early in their eligibility. You've got um, hotshot freshman from Somerset coming in, Kai Sharon. So um, it's Nick will look for his chance somewhere else and certainly wish him well. It's such a shame that he injured his knee last season in August in training camp because with um, – the way the season played out and Sawyer Smith getting hurt, I'm guessing they probably would have gone to Scalzo before they made the switch to Lynn Bowden. And so he might have had his uh, gotten his chance. But um, at that point, um, he was still coming off uh, you know, the knee injury, and uh, he was a little further along um, than the other QB in the class, so I think he was the guy that you know was getting some reps going into the uh, month of August, and then injured that knee and wasn't available. So wish him well wherever he ends up. We're going to get to a break. When we come back, Mike Pratt will join the program. It's the Leach Report Radio Network coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio on this Thursday. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Quarter past the top of the hour, we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Mike Pratt, my broadcast partner on the UK Radio Network. Uh, And coming out of that timeout in the final minute on Tuesday night, turned to Mr. Pratt, said, uh, from your coaching background, what kind of play would you draw up here since you don't have Olivier Saar in the game anymore? And you you apparently have coached this game before because they kind of ran what, what you thought they would. Yeah, I've seen this movie before, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, it just made sense that without Saar, who's uh, really only the only legitimate uh, inside threat that Kentucky's got, you need you need a, a, a three. Uh, well, I guess you really didn't need a three, but you needed a hoop. So the easiest people at that time to find a shot for would be the guys we described. And first uh, first would be uh, Allen, then Mintz, but you knew they were going to play Allen. You knew they had to try to deny him. And then, of course, Askew and uh, Saar out of the game, who had had a big, big game. It, it, it was simple. Um but it was it was done well. The play was well set, and the options were there. Uh, Askew had the ball. Mintz did his deal, and of course Toppin set that uh, up pick that kind of shook Mintz loose. But you know that was a deep corner shot, Tom. I mean, he was deep in the corner. Oh yeah, and, uh, and that was a very difficult shot. Uh, even though corner shots are favored and uh, have a high percentage of makes, but. Uh, he was deep in the corner, man. That was that was a huge, huge, huge shot. I, I would have had no problem with Allen taking the shot or Mintz, either one in that situation. How is uh, Dante changing the team since he's come into the mix? Well, 
let's go back to early in the season when um, teams were playing SAR, uh, double team on the catch of the dribble, trying to muscle coming at him from the top or the offside and uh, forcing him to give it up, okay, or trying to steal it, of course. But really the bottom line was give it up to the perimeter where Kentucky was struggling to shoot the ball. That seemed like the game plan. And he got real discouraged. And I, I thought, uh, that's just my opinion, looking at him, watching the body language because he wasn't able to operate in there. So now he, he does shift himself to facing the hoop, which which I think is his more favorable um, position with the ball, either low facing the hoop or at the elbow top of the circle. So now with more shooting, I think you're going to find that he's he's going to post up uh, no higher than the mid post, probably at the block, depending on who he's playing. But if Kentucky can continue to hit just consistently, better than they have been shooting on the year, they don't have to be great shooters, and I'm not expecting them to be great. It, it's a mat, it's a matter of consistently knocking down the open ones, and when they can knock down the open ones, that makes the uh, opponent play out play out, which opens up space. I think you can follow me on that. That space in the middle that allows Sar to either drop step and go to the hoop, or he likes to face and make a move. He needs room to do that. Yeah, he's, yeah but with uh, until these last couple of games, Kentucky was just, I think, much easier to defend. And you know, just pack everybody in, and um, then when they miss, you got all of your guys close to the basket to get the rebound. Uh, even though Kentucky yeah. has has rebounded you know well offensively, that was about all they they had. They weren't getting to the free throw line a lot. weren't shooting well. Well, now uh, you're making a, you know a few more threes, which uh, helps the math work to to get to the points that you need to get to, and maybe you get a few more offensive rebounds. And they certainly got to the line the other night. Yeah, and and uh, that that was a you know that was one of Calipari's worst teams. Uh, going into the last couple games of getting to the charity stripe. I mean, his team's always got to the charity stripe. But uh, the other thing I think that you'll you'll see with this whole thing is that um, when Kentucky was missing the threes, the long rebound allowed them to become a, a good offensive rebounding team, very good one. And they were able to get some of those, but they couldn't convert to second, third opportunity. Their percentage of conversion at the rim was really low for a team that rebounded so well. So what you might see now as teams have to build out and play the perimeter is guys getting second shots or thirds, whatever it takes, and, and maybe maybe having the ability to finish better because there's not such a crowd in there. Two guys that uh, have had big games lately where down at mississippi state and then topping tuesday night are guys i know you are have been really excited about by what you've seen and with in particular with respect to how much upside you think is there oh i, I think both of them have uh, both of them have just scratched the surface offensively but cal and the staff have got both of them playing real hard taking challenges cal says fight 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 and where's in their fighting? Lance, where's in their fighting with everybody to get a rebound? And, uh, yeah, he's struggling to score the ball. He's rough offensively. But you know what? Once you get that in your mind that you have to fight and do these things, man, that, that is something that you can carry forward and you like to see. And then, and then Toppin, you know, he's, he's made some shots. Offense right now isn't his, uh, his, his, uh, best because he's rough and he's going to get better. But boy, 
he has done a nice job defensively, and we saw it in the second half against Vandy, and, and he gets on the boards, and you know he's got some quick ups. When he gets stronger with his ups, whew, he's going to be he's going to be tough on that glass. He'll be hard to score on. So, yeah, I think both of them have uh, really nice upside. It's the Leach Report Radio Network, and our weekly visits with Mike Pratt are brought to you by Boone's Butcher Shop in Bardstown. We're going to take a break, come back, and continue with Mike, Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated a little later, and then Darren Hedrick to preview the U.K. women down at Texas A&M tonight, all right here on the Leach Report Radio Network. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. Back with Mike Pratt on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Let's uh, preview the matchup with the Gators here for a few minutes. Mike, Florida comes off uh, shellacking at the hands of uh, an Alabama team's playing really well, 86-71 on Tuesday night. Prior to that, coming off a, a, an 18-day break, they beat Vandy by 19, beat LSU by four. Uh, give me your thoughts on the Gators. I think that uh, they're trying to find themselves after uh, Johnson uh, had his heart issues, who was a leading scorer uh, on the team and, and uh, returning veteran, a guy that uh, probably needed a good year this year because he was a highly recruited player last year and struggled like most freshmen, but he was off to a really nice start and he was a really important part, go-to type guy for uh, Florida. So they're trying to find um, a, a new way offensively for this team now. Now, Mann's played awfully well from the point. He leads him in scoring now with Johnson out. He leads him in assist. Uh, really gets the ball around. And we, we remember this kid, Locke. He shot it very well against us. Now they found another guy that seems to be knocking down the trays, Appleby. Um but I think Lewis is a guy you have to watch. I mean, highly recruited player. I, I think even Kentucky tried to recruit the kid. And last year, he didn't have the year they thought. I think he averaged about eight points a game. Very good defender. Very good in transition. He struggled shooting the ball uh, last year. It's gotten a lot better. Uh, one thing about this team is uh, they they do shoot the tray pretty good at 38% roughly. And they get to the charity strike. They're shooting 73% there. They do get to the charity strike. Not not more than Kentucky, right at the same amount as Kentucky, but that's 73%, man. That'll win you some games. Field goals, um, you know, because they're able to drive the ball with their players and be able to get to the rim, they finish, and they're shooting, you know, right just short of 50%, I believe. Um, this is a team that's uh, it's pretty good offensively. Even without Johnson, I think they'd have been very good uh, with Johnson. Um, a lot of players that play alike, Tom. Uh, defensively, they'll come up the floor. I watched the baby game. They'll come up the floor and press. Of course, you need to make baskets to make that thing work. But, um, yeah, this is uh, this is a team. They're not going to run their offense through the low post, okay, which uh, probably is good for Kentucky. That, that the big guy, Castleton, is a nice young player. He rebounds, but... They're not going to throw it into him, and he's going to tack on a bunch of fouls to the Cats' big guys. So it's going to be a perimeter game. It's going to be a transition game. They like to run. They'll get up and down. Um, if Kentucky doesn't uh, uh, handle the press right, you're going to give these guys some easy shots, and, and that uh, that could be the difference. 
Tough back-to-back games here for an improving Kentucky team uh, in Florida and then Alabama uh, at home. If, if big if, but if you could get those two, then you you start to uh, be able to seriously talk about maybe getting it back on track. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think this game at Florida is a gettable game. I don't think they're going to be favored, but it's a gettable game. And if you if you steal this one and come home, you're going to have a lot of momentum, a lot of momentum. And uh, going into Alabama, you're going to need it. Nine o'clock game and a team that just you know they shoot almost as many trays as Vandy, and uh, a lot of experience on that ball club. Uh, they're playing really well now. So and then then you've got Auburn who at times plays well this year. And uh, they've got their hot shot uh, recruit sitting out. Point guard, I believe he is. Can't think of his name. But he's waiting to hear about his eligibility, and he's not been ruled eligible yet. So he could get thrown into the mix. So it's three pretty daggone tough games. Two of the three, Tom, on the road. Yeah, and four, I was just looking, four of the next six are on the road. Uh, Alabama, Auburn and Georgia after that, then LSU home and Alabama on the road, and then you finish up the month of January with Texas at home. And um, Normally the, the, the schedule tends to be uh, backloaded and, and uh, really uh, much tougher in, in February, but uh, I don't know if that's the case. They finish with um, four of their last seven, it looks like, at, at home and – Two of the road games are, are Vandy and, and Ole Miss, teams that will be in the at least in the lower half of the league. Certainly, you see what Vandy, how Vandy played them most recently. But uh, this is a stretch where um, I think it was our, our buddy uh, Daryl Bird wrote this uh, a couple of weeks ago. To uh, you know, at the end of December, look where Kentucky is. Let's see where they are at the end of January. And um, you know, if they're in, if they're looking good at the end of January, then uh, I feel uh, good about their shot of. Uh, you know, getting to the tournament and hopefully being able to make a little noise in March. Well, I think that's true. I think you have to look at really uh, on top of that how they're playing. They could yes. lose some of those games on the road, uh, a buzzer shot, or somebody goes to the foul line and, and uh, makes a bunch of foul shots at the end of the game. But they could be playing well and lose the, lose those games or a couple of them. I, I'm not predicting that, but I, but as a coach, you look at how's my team playing? Are, are they playing to the game plan? Um, are they doing the little things that help you win? You just caught the other team on a on a bad night. You look at those things. You got to be happy with how your team's playing. If Mike, you're not happy, then you lose. You're in trouble. See you on Saturday. Okay, buddy. Justin Rowland, next up on the Leach Report. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. From the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio, it is the second half of the Leach Report on a Thursday. Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com. We'll start on the football side, Justin, since there's breaking news there. Uh, within the last half hour, Kentucky has announced the hiring of a new running backs coach, Jamal Singleton, off the Bengals staff. Uh, your thoughts on this hire? Yeah, he's certainly got a pedigree. I mean, he's coached at the SEC level. He's coached in the, in the Big 12 at Oklahoma State. Uh, he's got a long history with Brad White at Air Force. And, uh, and then with the Indianapolis Colts, anytime you bring a guy in from the NFL, that's going to be uh, part of his cell with recruits. He knows what it takes to get there. Um, the, the people who, who know about his background aren't surprised he got into coaching. He was one of the very few multi-year captains for Air Force 
way back in the day, and I know he, he's gotten praise for his work with the military community since he's been in the NFL. So he's, he's a no-nonsense, very energetic, uh, high-energy guy, according to, to the people that I've spoken with who covered him at Oklahoma State. And, uh, and uh, he, he's recruited running backs in the past, some really good running backs, and, and it'll be interesting to see how he meshes. You've got uh, Brad White, who came here from the NFL. Uh, now on the offensive side, uh, the new offensive coordinator, Liam Cohen, now the new running backs coach uh, coming from the NFL back into uh, the closest thing college football has to the NFL and the SEC. And is it a case of these were just the guys in a pool of candidates that uh, Mark Stoops liked the best, were the best fit, or is there a conscious effort here for an NFL influence? Yeah, you know, I'm really not sure if that was if that was what his thinking was. I would imagine it would be the best fit. Um, I hadn't heard that Stoops was leaning heavily into the NFL thing just for the sake of that. But you know, the Brad White thing, the Brad White experiment, I think has went, went really well. Um, if, if you open yourself up to, to go on the NFL route, I think that certainly makes for a really big pool of candidates. And uh, and there's a lot of guys. Um, the one thing Stoops has said in the past is you got to be careful. Some guys just want to get back to the NFL as quickly as they can, but I would imagine that's not the case here. I think too, it's a it meshes well with um, Mark's style in that Kentucky plays physical. They want to be a physical team uh, that um, is they're going to be in a, a lot of games that are decided in the fourth quarter. So going to have a reliable field goal kicker. Uh, you know, punter that can flip the field, uh, be good defensively, and now the next step they want to take is to to be uh, you know to to go from one of those NFL teams that is good on defense but but can't score against good teams to be able to put points on the board against good teams. Yeah, you know, I, I listened to a couple of interviews a few days ago when it became clear Singleton was going to be the guy. I listened to a couple of interviews about what he what he looks for in a running back, what kind of running backs he wants, and he wants the big backs. He wants big running backs who he will say who also can move, but he and also Cohen still seem committed to a power running game, and I think that probably is attractive to Stoops. You know, everybody wants a power running game to go along with the ability to stretch the field vertically. So, I think this hire, if anything, is kind of a sign of continuity. It's not a whole system change. They still want that physical downhill dimension in the SEC to go along with whatever they do with the passing game. Tight end would seem to be a, a strength for Kentucky, especially with Rig coming back. Upshaw came on. Uh, Bates is a guy I know they're real high on. He just missed some games with injury. And now you got Dingle coming in from Bowling Green. So they could have you know four quality tight ends that could play next season. So um, that seems to be a, a good fit uh, with what we expect Coach Cohen's offense to look like, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, the, the, the perfect marriage in college football and offense is NFL passing principles and college rushing principles. And the passing has a lot to do with the tight end play, and that's really, you know, one of the strengths of the roster next season. Justin Riggs is going to be one of the most experienced players in program history next year, and Keaton Upshaw is one of the most improved tight ends in the SEC. And Brendan Bates was making a lot of noise before camp, and Ogninovich and Dingle, you know, we'll, we'll see. But um, that's probably the biggest reason for hope with the passing game next year, I think. I think the tight end play, you know, was very encouraging this season. Got to expect it will be some of the best in the SEC next year. Last year, Josh Ali, as a junior, made a, a move and then took it to a, a little higher level this year. 
is as far as the, the receiver position, is there somebody that could do that, uh, a veteran guy that uh, is ready to break out, or is the help more likely to come from uh, one of this year's freshmen or one of the incoming freshmen? I want to say that we know what we what they've got with the older guys, but the unknowns are a little bit more interesting because there you know there there's plenty of time for the light to go on. And somebody that we've heard a lot about is Isaiah Cummings. I think Isaiah Cummings, if he had had a full fall camp, he missed some time. He was on track to have a big impact this year, even against an all SEC schedule. And when the bowl practices picked up, the coaches talked about Isaiah Cummings again. And I think Isaiah Cummings is. He's a big receiver, could potentially even be a hybrid down the road. Um, I think I think he's he's an intriguing guy. Going back to when he was in Louisville at, at high school, really big target can be a matchup problem down the field. Isaiah Cummings is probably the one that I'm most intrigued by. We chat with Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. It's at Roland Rivals on Twitter. Any uh, special deals going on? Folks should be aware of. No, no special deals right now. But if you reach out to me, I can hook you up. Roland Rivals. And, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. They'll get their first 2022 commitment today, is what I've heard, and I can't drop a name, but but they'll get that jump started very soon. We'll come right back and uh, talk a little basketball, and then later on, Darren Hedrick joins us to preview the game for the UK women tonight down at College Station, Texas. It's the Leach Report. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. They've got a, some new menu items, including an awesome patty melt uh, and they've got a new online ordering system so check it out from wild eggs of lexington and hamburg and palomar this is where the big blue nation gathers it's talk radio 1080 and the leach report followed by kentucky sports radio Sixteen away from the top of the hour, chat with Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com uh, on the uh, Rivals Network, and let's get to a little basketball. Uh, BJ Boston uh, tweeted out yesterday that uh, we shouldn't feel any sympathy for him. He can step up to the challenge, and I uh, saw that you uh, tweeted about that, that you liked what you saw. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a mature thing for him to say. I mean, he had a lot of criticism and people talked about the boos, and uh, you could hear it even in the in the in the smaller capacity. Um, and then he had a round of support, kind of an outpouring of support. A lot of people saying no kid should be booed in Rupp Arena, and his response to that was just kind of you know save it. I'm doing, and that's kind of in line with how he's played. I mean, he's never looked like he's felt sorry for himself. He's cheered for guys when he's been on the bench, and the shots aren't falling for him. He's probably not having the kind of season that anybody expected him to have, but it doesn't seem like he's doing anything wrong. Um, it doesn't seem like the process is wrong. Cal letting him um, try to shoot himself out of it, and I think he's got the right attitude, at least based on that. I liked actually what Cal did with the starting lineup, and a lot of fans were expecting Dante Allen to start, and he certainly deserved to off what he did at Mississippi State. But you've got a guy that's, that's struggling. Um, maybe you leave him in the lineup. Uh, at least a little while longer in the starting group to see if he can get going, especially if, as Cal said, he'd been working really hard and Dante end up get, ends up getting his minutes anyway. You know, if I had to guess, like, Calipari is probably thinking, you know, the best team that I can put on the floor right now is some combination of Mintz and Allen and Toppin and Ware and somebody else and Saar. 
and that that's probably our best bet to win right now. But is that a team that can that can get super hot and get to the final four? I don't know. I think the floor, the ceiling for that group is probably not through the roof. If you just want to get to the tournament, maybe yes. But the best potential outcome for Kentucky still involves Boston starting to tap into his potential. And it might be a little riskier now. It might be a little uglier now. But that's still, you know, part of this team ultimately realizing its ceiling. So I kind of understand him not throwing in the towel on him. Yeah, same same here. There's no reason you you, you have to. I mean, say I think uh, uh, Dante seems to have uh, you know uh, the the right attitude about all of this, and so uh, and, you know he uh, he comes in and gives you uh, maybe a spark there. And at some point, if if uh, if you need to, you can you can make that change. Uh, suspect we'll see. Uh, probably I wouldn't be surprised anyway if Toppin gets a start off what he did um, as Ware did. Uh, on Tuesday night, and I actually I told Mike before the game, I I, I like the idea of, of trying to bring Jackson off the bench just because he's been getting into foul trouble so much. It didn't help the other night, but maybe if he uh, comes in off the bench, he can end up staying on the floor a little longer because he's you know he's very productive if he could just stay out there. Yeah, the foul trouble for him is tough to watch because it's a product of him being so young. Like you see him make these great plays on defense, and then you get down to the other end. And he tries to do too much on offense. It's tough to fault him because a lot of those times other stuff isn't working on offense. And so somebody's just trying to make a play. Um, if it's like if you could just convince him to just be a defensive stopper and then go to the other end and set screens and get garbage buckets, that's, that's a hard sell for somebody who's so young and still trying to feel things out. But I thought Tuesday for Allen was just as important as Saturday was because it was proof that even when he's not, 7 of 11 from 3, Kentucky is no worse with him on the court. You know, yeah. there is a way to, to sort of hide him or hide the impact of him as he's finding his defense. Um, you know, he does stretch the, the defense out. He makes things better for Sar. And, uh, you know, even when he's not going crazy from outside, he, he helps the team. Showed he's not just a catch-and-shoot guy. I took it to the rim once, got a, a pull-up jumper, and... Um... Just a a um, a guy that uh, changes them and helps helps them find a way to have the math uh, to get above seventy points, which is where they had to get. Yeah, he's not overwhelmed out there. He threw a couple of shot fakes. He didn't get sped up, and he didn't make miss. He did get picked one time, and they went down and they scored a layup on a run out, one of their two turnovers. But you don't score that many points in high school unless you know how to do a little bit more than just shoot wide-open shots. And I think he's showing that. Justin, thank you much. Thanks a lot. Justin Rowland joins us on Tuesdays from CatsIllustrated.com. We're back with Darren Hedrick to preview a big game for the U.K. women tonight in College Station, Texas. And hopefully they'll get to play South Carolina on Sunday. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Leach Report Radio Network, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Final segment of the Leach Report for Thursday. Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Darren Hedrick. He's the voice of UK women's basketball. The Wildcats head to number eight Texas A&M tonight. And, uh, Darren, I see where the game Sunday uh, maybe could be in question. The uh, South Carolina women's team has paused team activities after Wednesday's COVID testing, and they postponed their game against Georgia tonight. So, um don't know if that one will get to get to happen uh, scheduled on Sunday or not. It had just been moved to ESPN. So 
I'm guessing you don't know any more than what we just found out on Twitter, right? Yeah, you're right. I wish I knew a little more because that's definitely a game that a lot of folks want to see played just to see where Kentucky is. And obviously it would be a great basketball game. So hopefully things work out and they're able to play it. But uh, as you well know, in these times, you've just got to learn to be adaptable and roll with the flow. Well, they could maybe uh, get a replacement game against an NBA team or something because they're playing ranked team after ranked team after ranked team. They've got Texas A&M tonight down in College Station. Uh, tell me about this matchup. Yeah, this is a really intriguing one for me. Texas A&M is a very deep team. Coach Blair has added four freshmen. He's got four transfers in to help rebuild his roster. They'll, they'll start at three or four seniors, and then they have a couple more coming off the bench. Defensively, they're a tough matchup because they really game plan around your personnel. They run a, a matchup 2-3 zone. They also run a man defense matching up with personnel. So they really go off analytics and what you do well and try to take that away from you. So Kentucky's going to have to have a balanced scoring attack tonight. And offensively or uh, defensively, Kentucky's got to uh, to really – focus in and communicate because A&M can work it inside the two great players or they can shoot it from outside. So they're a pretty balanced team. Ryan Howard was just a step slow out of the gate. Uh, had that uh, couple of games suspension. and then, uh, But now, boy, it looks like she is in a just a, a tremendous groove. 33 on, in the overtime win on Sunday. Yeah, she is just in a different stratosphere right now in, in women's college basketball. She can... Uh, Everybody talks about the points she can score, and she certainly can dominate games, but it's her rebounding ability. If this team needs her to rebound it 12 times to get a win, she can do it. She can pass the ball. She's an excellent passer, um, and she can get six or seven assists. What really amazes me is how she steps up in big games against four ranked opponents this year, Tom. She's averaging 24 points and is shooting over uh, 45% from beyond the arc. I mean, she's just an amazing talent. Even though Kentucky's been winning, has it taken a little while to get all of these new pieces to to fit together uh, just the way that they wanted with you know, transfers becoming eligible, et cetera? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it has. We continue to – you know, I don't think this team has played its best basketball yet, even though we've seen them beat some really good teams down the stretch here. Um, they're still gelling together uh, – Players are fitting into their roles. I mean, they've got two starters coming off the bench right now. Robin Benton, who was at Auburn, Jasmine Massengill, who was at Tennessee. Uh, so their, their bench is very deep, and, um, you know, they're discovering that they have the inside game they've been longing for with Drayana Edwards, Olivia Owens, and Kiki McKinney. I, I think this team is still coming together. They're still improving, and it's been kind of fun to watch them gel and develop that chemistry the only way you can in this COVID season, and that's on the floor during games. Uh, talking with Darren Hedrick on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline as the Kentucky women, ranked 10th in the country, get set to take on number 8 Texas A&M. I would assume this would be a first, beating three consecutive ranked opponents, but is that correct, or do you know? Yeah, that's in fact, I think Kentucky has only beaten consecutive ranked opponents twice, and that was 2011 and 2013. So Coach Matthew Mitchell's laid the foundation there. But, uh, yeah, this this is uh, going to be an unprecedented stretch here, and if they can win one tonight, you're going to have a, an exclusive club all by yourself there in terms of beating three straight 
top 12 opponents in the history of uh, Kentucky women's basketball. Um, what are the areas where Coach Elsie's still trying to, to get them to improve in? Yeah, I think defensively they want to continue getting better. They gave up too many dribble drive baskets against Mississippi State. The teams that have been able to drive the basketball on them this year has been uh, sort of a weakness of this team. Defense uh, off the uh, three-point shot, I think they're doing just fine right now. They're guarding the three-point line well. Still developing and transition defense. So those are some of the things she's really been focused on the last couple of weeks. Well, Darren, I would uh, normally say, uh, you know, enjoy some uh, good barbecue or something there in College Station, but none of us are traveling yet. So uh, yeah. good luck in the uh, remote studio, and uh, great job, by the way, last Saturday uh, with uh, Mike down in Starkville and getting the win. Yeah, thank you. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys letting me fill in for you. It was, it was a great time, and I was really happy to see the Cats come away with a win there. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, when I uh, we landed from uh, from Jacksonville, I uh, punched up the box scores as soon as I turned my phone on and saw they were down nine, and uh, it was nice to hear, uh, hear you get to call the rally there through the overtime, uh, two overtimes, I guess. So good luck yeah, tonight. absolutely. That was a, a game we'll remember for a long time, for sure. Absolutely will be. All right. Thank you, Darren. Uh, our, thank you. This Day in Wildcat History Note, presented by the new Rave on app. 1984, Kentucky went down to number nine LSU and put a whooping on the Tigers, 96 to 80. And the Big Dipper was the big star. Melvin Turpin was 15 of 17 from the field, 35 points and 13 boards. Happy birthday to former Wildcat sharpshooter Bobby Perry. And uh, condolences to our uh, good friend uh, Freddie Maggard and his family, Freddie's mom, passed uh, yesterday if you follow him on twitter you probably saw this so uh it's always a, a sad day when uh, when you lose your mom and so we're thinking of uh, freddie keeping him in our uh, thoughts and prayers and that will do it for this edition of the leech report we'll be back tomorrow with mike DeCourcy and more see you then thanks for listening to the leech report make sure you check out the podcast page at tomleachky.com whenever you miss a show and be sure to follow the leech report facebook page If you have a question for Tom, email it to leechreport at gmail.com. 